With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Man, it is Friday and I'm in a good mood. The, temp- the temperature here in Cape Town, the bottom tip of Africa is 23 degrees Celsius. Um, I don't know what that is for my American listeners. I think it's what you multiply it by two and add 10 or something, 50, 60, I don't know, whatever whatever the Americans use Fahrenheit. I don't know what that what it equates to, but it's a lovely day. Uh, send me an email, jimwarfare at tntradio.live if you are watching via one of the video feeds. It's a great pleasure to have you here. TNT's website has all uh, the outgoing links, X, Rumble, YouTube, etc. Uh, there are various options uh, by which you can follow my show. If you aren't listening live, go to my page on TNT's website. You'll find the archive, both video and audio, for listening to after or watching after the fact. And uh, by all means, jump into the live chat. I've got it open in front of me and do send me an email throughout the show. I don't mind. Okay. With all the housekeeping done, my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Nick Hudson, I can never remember the the formula. What is Fahrenheit? What is the, the conversion? It's it's uh, the temperature in Celsius times uh, 9 over 5 plus 32. So 23 translates to 73. <clears throat> okay. All right. What? Yeah. Why? What is it with Americans? Why must they have such weird metrics for everything? Yeah, tradition. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, the, the metric system is so wonderful. I, it, it's a, such a pain to try and do everything in pounds and inches and feet and yards and miles and all that. It's just ridiculously complicated. Uh, well, not complicated, but just you know, but you have to labor every single calculation instead of just multiplying by ten or a thousand. So it is very irritating. Um, and as a result, I think what happens is most people don't know how to convert. Uh, they have yeah. no idea. So they sort of know how long a mile is intuitively, but but uh, never just never process the conversion of miles to feet or anything like that. So, or, or you know, areas as well. Is, is <laughs> Just going to an area measure is a, is a difficult thing. And then they've got dry and liquid measures and it's it's just horrendous. And of course, we're all stuck with it in one way. Which is that in in the nautical setting and aeron- including the aeronautical setting, uh, everything's done in 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 knots in nautical miles per hour. Um, that's okay. And, uh, that's one. The two that stick for me. The one is mm. when I'm windsurfing or sailing, I, I look at the sea and I can, by uh, depending on the appearance of the sea, I can uh, tell you how many knots of wind you have. But then I, I have to think much harder if I'm trying to con- convert it into meters per second. Um, and the other one is when I look at a person, I know that they're six foot two, and that's a very strange one. I don't yes. sort of think of people's heights as one point eight seven meters or whatever. There was an interesting yeah. story. Um, somebody as well, whoever's listening, is welcome to look it up. I can't remember the exact details, but it had to do with some flight between the United States and Canada, and because Canada is part of the Commonwealth, they still use. Uh, what is it? Uh, well, they use a different, they use the, uh, the metric system. Uh, well, no, what's it? What's the system that we use? What, in, um, in flying? 
Yeah, we use the metrics well, the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So there was some there was some confusion that happened, and there was a miscalculation with the fuel, and so the plane had to make an emergency landing because they the oh. the cap the pilot miscalculated. I don't know. There was some confusion, but it the plane be, couldn't get to its destination. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be more. It needs to be more involved than that because internationally the standard is to to use the imperial system of knots, and. Uh, which, which on the same as you know it's, that's nautical miles per hour um <clears throat> so and and so when you when you go off in a plane here in south africa even though everything on the ground is metric system uh the plane is operating on the the old imperial system and of course mm -hmm. the other big area you know, everybody everybody prefers uh 15 centimeters to six inches it just sounds like more someone said the other day <laughs> when it comes to men they measure penises yeah. in inches, not in centimeters. <laughs> okay, no, <laughs> must be a woman. How did we get Nick, this was, uh, No, it's Friday. Um, I was on your. <laughs> I, I use that as a catch-all. I was on your on your Twitter X page, and um, I love that. Uh, <laughs> what do you call it? It's not a tweet. It's a, I suppose, a, a post. post. How boring is that? It's yeah, post. it's very boring now. Uh, yeah. Where. You kind of did what you do in a video game, where you get through all the levels and then you defeat the boss. Uh, this, this, this—you you basically covered <laughs> everything yeah. that we talk about on the show, and uh, there's nothing left. It's—you've reached the boss level, you've gone past, you've have now solved <laughs> the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a, there was a tweet that um, uh, polarized, as a good tweet should do, really, I suppose. Um, in the sense that people either loved it and said that's the tweet of 2024, or they 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 objected strenuously because they'd been caught out on one or another of the list. You know, oh, oh wait a minute, but I believe that one, and uh, and so I, I was I did a little bit of running around having to clarify. There was there was one that I hadn't worded you know perfectly, I, I, and I needed to explain. And the majority of people got the explanation, but some just didn't, and they were furious with me because they didn't want to be associated with all the others. But the bad news is they are, you know. Yes. Uh, well, uh, listen to to any of my any of my 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 fellow presenters at TNT. If you are looking for for talking points for your show, just go to Nick's <laughs> Nick's tweet. So, I mean, we can go through it. Yeah. I mean, economies should be centrally controlled. Tick. <laughs> Climate yeah, is dictated second, let's by. Just, let's just explain. <laughs> Let's just explain yes. that these are all the bad ideas, right? Let's just, let's yes. just be clear about it. Yeah. Uh, economy yeah, should on. be centrally controlled. Climate is dictated by a single molecule. Truth is the preserve of authorities. Moral principles invented yesterday are better than those embedded in our religions, traditions, and cultures. Gender can be changed by volition and scalpel. Utility theory surpasses virtue theory. I haven't even got to a quarter yet. And then we've covered every topic that there is. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure this, that, that, I'm pretty sure that tweet resulted in more deaths than COVID. <laughs> um, but which, you said you got pushback. Which one of those would you have got pushback from? Well, the interesting thing was, uh, I, what, what did I say there about, uh, Cultural homogeneity. Ah, I can't yes. Yeah. Cultural homogeneity is a cultural homogeneity is a virtue. But you're correct. Well, you see, what, what I was saying there is that this kind of globalist vision for global cultural homogeneity, where we erase all of what they regard as parochial and superstitious claptrap. Yeah. Know, they sort of see that there's 
they, they have like an idealized culture where if everybody believed the following things and adopted the following postures and values and habits, the world would be a better place, which, which I fundamentally disagree with. Of course, the people who, who had a valid objection said, well, wait a second, I actually quite like a little bit of local cultural homogeneity. And I understand that and, and, and do, I actually, but this, yeah, I would say that's a good yeah. idea. You know, but there's you nothing want, wrong, sort of exactly. Cooperating, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. But there's nothing wrong with cultural homogeneity. I, I don't know what I don't know why people find this so um, offensive. I have no issue yeah. with, say, Zulu culture. I think it's a beautiful thing, particularly when yeah, you yeah, go yeah. overseas and you want to talk about something that's very proudly South African or Southern African, or you want to talk about the the aborigines in australia i i know that the terms are getting all confused these days i don't know what i'm supposed to say first nations or something but yes the there's nothing wrong in in people preserving and conserving um all sorts of heritages and cultural cuisines and music and clothing that's been around for a long time why would this be so offensive to some i i i fully agree with you um mm. and you know if we if we just relate back to the, the the topic that's come up in a number of our prior conversations the importance of uh, conjecture and criticism of trial and error mm. in making our way forward in a complex world this this is really the cultural statement of that principle you don't want the world to be flat and homogenous uh, and to have only one approach to solving the immense riddle of how to make progress in complex human societies we want yeah. multiple attempts at so, so I actually subscribe to the the simple notion uh, that I I think was coined by the, the uh, Eric Weinstein, um, the previously more famous brother of Brett Weinstein. I'm not too sure who, <laughs> <laughs> who wins that prize now, but uh, Eric Weinstein coined the term uh, a xenophilic immigration restrictionist. So xenophilic, you know, xenos meaning mm. the other, the foreigner, the stranger. Uh, and philic meaning uh, a love for. Uh, so if you if you're xenophilic, you you like the foreign, you like the strange, but you're an immigration restrictionist. I, yeah. I'm very much of that nature. Like I'm very intrigued to have visitors in my house from other places and to talk to them and yeah. to visit them and to go to their countries and so on. I find other cultures fascinating. I love them. I'm very open in that regard. Um, I, I'm and and tolerant in the in the strict sense of the world, meaning. You know, yeah, I, I will judge them, but I will tolerate because I believe that that's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, tolerance without judge without judgment is an absolutely useless exercise that's only only good for the most vapid of minds. Mm. But um, the 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 point is that y yes, you know, enjoy that diversity, but understand that to get ahead, uh, and a degree of cultural coherence is required, and there's a balancing act. You know. And, and that means that you need to be able to steep your children in, in an environment of some cultural consistency so that they begin to uh, absorb and balance a set of values. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, Nick, um, I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about, say, geo geopolitical topics. But geopolitics or politics in general is, I think, downstream from culture. I think culture Ooh. sits sits higher up that 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 um, that food chain, and I mean, I remember yeah. when I was when I was in France a few years ago, uh, and we were flying back, my wife and I, and um, 
And we were talking about how people there were telling us how France is losing its identity because of mass immigration, etc. And I, I remember saying to her while I was on the plane, I said, you know, imagine if if France just becomes the same as some other country and it loses its own thing. Why would anybody want to go there? You know, you when you fly over the city, the first thing you must see is the city. It, it must look different. It mustn't look the same as Hong Kong or New York. You must see something French. Yeah. And then when you're in the city, yeah. you must you must see and feel and taste and smell things that are French. But what 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 this idea of sort of global global um, zombie kind of grey culture, uh, what it is that they're wanting ultimately, it will just eradicate all of that. Yes, um, and it fits, of course, into the idea that we don't really need to travel in the first place because that's uh, mm. you know producing too much of that molecule that we're all meant to be scared of, um, and um, <clears throat> also they want us to have the be sitting in a 30, 30 15 minute city with um, what do you call it the goggles, uh, virtual reality goggles on our heads. If you want to see Paris, you can do it through your VR set. You know, um, that's kind of the the would-be direction of travel, of course, is not going to go there. But uh, mm. that, that's kind of where they want the world to head. And so it doesn't really matter if the local culture destroy, is destroyed because we've got it on video somewhere and you can always watch it on your VR headset. So, you know, get over it. I love this other one that you that you threw in there. Um, safety um, is, is of, you know, it's a priority. Now, Jordan Peterson spoke about that a few years ago in his, in his book, 12 Rules for Life. Um, oh, where he basically made the yeah he basically makes the argument that you, must, you know if you're I think I think it's something along the lines of if your child is learning to ride a skateboard let your child fall or if your child's climbing a tree let them fall out of the tree <laughs> to, yes. at least to some degree and I'll go as far as saying and I'm not I'm not promoting I'm not promoting this but I do think that bullying in schools also kind of filters out the men from the boys there is something there is something inherent about that that you don't really want to stop yes I, I i mean like many things i think there's there's some kind of you know curve where none of it mm. stops um the, the 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 cultural um uh lessons from being disseminated if you have none of it you know you want you want there to be censure uh of some sort for failing to observe community standards um but <clears throat> when it becomes ex extreme and 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 vindictive and and the psychopaths are in charge of it rather than uh, being a, a process of sort of saying hey you know that's not a right in our parts um I think I think that then it becomes also a problem. So it's about you know, and, and you're right. It's a sort of a manifestation of um, of safety culture that uh, anything that gives offence must be stamped out. Anything that is remotely like bullying must be stamped out. Anything that's vaguely dangerous, anything that could result in death or illness or disease or whatever, you know, the safety culture is ridiculous and and uh, just fails to. to recognize something that's fundamental to so many subjects, which is that uh, there's a trade-off between risk and reward. Um, if you want a life worth living, you need to take risks on a regular basis um, and try to avoid and and uh, taking existential ones to know which ones are existential risks, you know? Um, so, yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean, right now, or more or less right now, universities, at least in South Africa, are going through their sort of first year initiation processes. And I know that it's a taboo topic in many sectors. But I mean, as my wife said recently, in South Africa are going through their sort of first year initiation processes. And I know that it's a taboo topic in many sectors. But I mean, as my wife said recently, it doesn't make you a worse person. You sh it, it, the whole point of initiation is to kind of integrate you and get you into the zone, as it were. Uh, and the these attempts to completely remove, entirely remove initiation is also going to, going, going to lead to something worse. Yes, I mean, I look back on my, in my day, I think the stuff was much more prevalent. And I was mm. probably in that segment of uh, kids who was, who was more um, targeted. You know, I was, I was not, the, uh, not one to toe the line. I was a bit unconventional. Uh, I'd, I'd grown up moving around the world, so I'd picked up habits or predispositions which were a little bit foreign mm. to a lot of people. Mm. Um, so the, the sort of um, – I, I think that made me a little bit more of a target. But I don't look back and, and think that I suffer any ill consequences from it. I mean, I, remember, I can remember the events – and some of them are pretty hectic, but uh, the the I don't look back on it and see it as anything but a character forming thing. And uh, yeah. um, it's almost like you'd rather be focusing on equipping children to deal to deal with. It's and it's not so much bullies as psychopaths. You do run into psychopaths, and you yeah. need if you want to get ahead in the world, you need to deal with them. You can't just you know run away crying to mommy. Uh, mommy's not there in the business world. Yeah, or um, you know on the streets. Um, so it's almost rather equip children to, to know how to handle the, the, the abuser, the, the psychopath, the bully. Um, but, and, but also not, and also not to be too sensitive to, to understand that every now and then a person in a position of power, a, a, a person who's higher up the food chain or in the hierarchy than you are is going mm -hmm. to make a mistake. And it might feel like bullying, might not be intentional. It might be the person actually mm. acting out of a moment of weakness or, or fear or uncertainty and not to overreact to it all, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. So these, this is at the, when the needle veers too far and children need to be brought up in cotton wool and uh, fed, uh, uh, you know, reverse osmosis dewdrops. Um <laughs> I, I think we're, we've gone too far. <laughs> All right, Nick Hudson, don't go anywhere. I'll be back with you shortly. My name is Jerm. This is TNT. TNT's Pella Neuroth-Taylor. We, we need to look, do a lot of deconstruction of these phrases and, and really think about what it means because what does far-right mean? I, I'd say that far-right means anything that you don't like. And um, it's just a label, a bit like the, the Chinese under Mao, their state press used to call... Uh, anyone who was an ideological opponent, capitalist pig dogs, whatever. And it was just meant to evoke a response and it was a signal from the rulers to the rule that this is what you should think without actually having to think. It's 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 a, meant to evoke a sort of Pavlovian reaction that you're a, these are bad guys. And uh, a moderate, in, in, in our lingo, I mean, let's see, it's foreign coverage. The BBC will say the moderate blah, blah, blah party in the third world Meaning, well, they're the guys we approve of, and then the extremist is someone we don't approve of. Helen Neuroth-Taylor on today's News Talk TNT. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. 
One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like I don't remember what I did last week, but like I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Nick, uh, Michelle, who's listening from Florida, says, uh, in the U.S., the only things we have in common are our values and our flag. And that is why this culture war is so dangerous. If we no longer have anything in common, we no longer have a country. Yeah, I mean, America's a surprising one. I've lived there twice. Uh, and I've, I've, I enjoyed it. Uh, I lived in different states, you know, completely different states, Texas and then in New Jersey and New York. Um, <clears throat> and in many ways, I, I felt that New York and Texas were different nations. There was a book, I forget the name, is the, the author written in the 1980s that I read and enjoyed very much while I was in America the first time. So it would have been in the early 80s. It was called, I think, The Seven Nations of North America or The Nine Nations of North America. I can't remember the number. And, and it, was, it was quite good at sort of just teasing out the, the, the key cultural differences. Um, and, but I kind of agree with the point that the, the, the union or the federation uh, of the states is, um, <clears throat> is only, is, is, depends on a, a degree of uh, shared sentiment in order to hold together. And it has looked from the outside that that shared, the shared values are starting to be pulled apart. California looks very different uh, or increasingly different from Texas. <clears throat> but I think that's a global problem. I mean, I feel it here in South Africa that the union of South Africa is within inches of coming apart. Um, it doesn't uh, strike me as something that was logical in the first place. Um, but I do, I do, I really do feel that sentiment from, is it Megan, um, that, that it's, it's, there's a, there's a inflection point, a danger point that's been reached. Um, and it almost seems like as, as a matter of willful policy that these, uh, divisions and polarization have, have been driven so hard. I do yeah. wonder though, Nick, I do wonder if. I mean, so, okay, let me rephrase what I'm thinking. The last few years, there's been a lot of talk, the most that I've ever seen about the globalists and globalism and internationalists and all the terms that kind of mean the same thing. Uh, and there's this weird retraction from the idea of secession. I've always been a fan of it because it's essentially decentralizing countries, which which plays into the idea of decentralization, which I think is a good idea. I don't see a bad, I don't see it as a net, a negative. I see it as a net benefit because it's easier to manage smaller populations in, in any event. Um, otherwise you end up with very, very strong iron fist. 
Um, but I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the people who are anti the World Economic Forum and the globalist agenda suddenly think they think that secession is a bad idea because division means conquering. And so they, they're kind of blurring the idea of what it means yes. to be divided and to be conquered. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. And I get it all the time because I'm, I'm causing a little bit of a, a schism inside the skeptic movement, the COVID skeptic movement at the moment by going after what I regard as the extremely poor ep epistemological grounds of the whole uh, gain of function idea. A uh, colleague of mine, Professor Martin Neal, has coined the term claim of function. I don't think, and I think he's perfectly correct, you know, that that actually what's going on here is there isn't evidence of anything being gained, any functions being gained. It's uh, it's It has a fundamentally masturbatory perspective to it. And so this whole idea of lab leaks and uh, <clears throat> and the mad scientist in the lab and so on, I, I see it as a bit of a psyop, you know, which is driving people in the direction of, maintaining a constant fear of pathogens. And if there's one thing yeah. we want to teach our children, it's that you do not need to fear pathogens. You know, that that's the, uh, that's, it, it's just, it's so bizarre that the world has come to that point. But really teaching children are not to be pathetic hypochondriacs has become a very important thing. And um, <clears throat> so just to go back to that, the gain of function story, I've been, I've been pushing back against this lab leak barrack scientist, crazy scientist notion. And that's caused some upset. That was also the motive behind that tweet, which you opened with the, the post that you started discussing. Um, and people come back to me and, I, and they say, oh, you should stop. You know, we, you, we don't need friendly fire. We need unity. Uh, you know, you're, you're the enemy of your enemy is your friend and all this kind of thing. And I look at it and I say, when since did I have to subscribe to this uh, global dogma of what it is to be a COVID dissenter or skeptic. I, I, I think it, we're stronger uh, with diversity mm. of strategies and tactics and so on. And, you know, what I'm pointing to is the problem that these guys who think what they're doing is so clever because it's going to force them to admit that they, that they were responsible for COVID. You know, and there's going to be some accountability. I think they're living in dreamland. There's never accountability from politicians and bureaucrats who do crazy things that never happens you know when what planet do you come from if you, you mm -hmm. believe that this is the case no what this is going to do is open the door wide open to persuading the population that oh look they've done it again you know those crazy scientists in working in Osama bin Laden Osama bin Laden's garage have cooked up another terrible virus and you're all going to have to lock down and disease you know, X. People, sorry, yeah, disease X. Disease X. Monkeypox. Mm. Monkeypox. And as long as people are scared of pathogens, they're going to have a very good chance of doing it. The point yeah. I've been making is, is none of the gain of function has produced anything that anybody should be scared of, and there, there are good reasons for expecting it never to. Uh, yeah. And so these these skeptics who who believe that they're on onto something, you know, very important, and we're gonna get them on this one. You know, it's it's a little bit like mm. the no virus brigade. They believe that look, yeah, there's lots of falsehoods, but if we just yeah. prove that they're no viruses, then we're gonna win this battle. Also, a very monomaniac, mon, 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 monomaniacal and uh, blinker yeah. kind of approach to a much yeah. more subtle and elaborate problem. You know. Just on that, um, because I know that we're going to get some comments after the show about this, because what happens yeah. invariably is at the moment you mention virus, 
then you get some of those militants coming in. If you mention, I don't know, the globe, then you get the flat earthers coming in. And so the conversations get derailed by, by like single words. I've yeah. come to the point where I absolutely don't mind conversations around the existence of viruses. But in many ways, as you say, if if you have nothing to fear, right, if you don't care about pathogens, if if you live a healthy life, right, and you rightly say, then there's nothing to fear, then the existence of a virus doesn't matter. Yes. You know, so, so also what gets confusing in the debate is that what, what do you mean? What, what does a person who's supposedly in the no virus camp mean? Do they mean that those that sequence of nucleotides doesn't exist anywhere? That would be like mm -hmm. a really extreme claim. People seem to find them all the time. You know, what are they doing wrong? Um, or do they mean that uh, viruses are not obligate parasites? Um, yeah. Or do they mean that viruses don't only have a pathogenic function, that they have some beneficial function in our lives or our evolutionary history or our, you know that they act in some kind of information system between organisms which i think is a plausible story you know all yeah. of those could be different flavors of a no virus prove and that's why well, i think I like a lot of these yeah they, yeah they they strike me particularly dumb individuals that come on and just say oh you hudson you're validating the virus brigade and so on mm. and yeah you obviously you're doing immense harm and oh come on you know it's i love what so, david resnick yeah. said um, David Resnick, you know, David Resnick, the biochemist, he said, he said on yeah. my show about a year ago, he said, look, we can get into a conversation about whether or not viruses or exosomes by another name. He says, but I don't really care about that. What I'm more interested in is if we can actually make one another sick, in other words, contagion. And I found that such a great way of, of thinking about it, because if you, if, if you can't make me sick and I can't make you sick, then it really doesn't matter what, <laughs> what those little particles are. Yes, I think the whole story of contagion is is one that's in need of much fleshing out. Um, yeah, because we certainly couldn't pick up the the, the kind of um, geospatial statistics that you would expect to see if there was uh, the propagation of a a point emergent pathogen. Um, in other words, you know, we couldn't statistically validate the idea of spread X Wuhan. You know, yeah, that, yeah. That, almost every scientific paper begins with um, every COVID science paper. Uh, we couldn't validate that. It's not there. The signal isn't there in the data. The ripple and cluster mm. effects are not. So I, and I think it's it's an incredibly hard thing to demonstrate. You know, every most experiments that attempt to demonstrate contagion fail. Um, so it, it's, 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 a, it's a thing that needs fleshing out. And But having said that, it's a very difficult story. You know, anytime you're dealing with uh, the very small or the very large. Uh, you, 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 what we, t what we tend to do, is to look for the macro observations, and to try and see whether the predictions of the theory are uh, that that whether they correspond with the more macro level observations. Yeah, and if they but don't, also, we falsify the theory and try or try and modify it in some way. But also something that snuck in there, that a lot of people mm. just completely ignored is. You said Wuhan. It's always China, right? They're always the they're always the bad guy, Nick. They're always the enemy. Yeah. When it comes from, you know, that's always them that's starting something bad. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think the pin it on China stories uh, just got no legs. Um, mm. So that there's a 
uh, intelligence community aspect to this uh, U.S. Department of of Defense aspect, uh, any number of international organizations, the Club of Rome, the uh, Transatlantic, uh, what are they called? Um, uh, forget it. The Council um, of Foreign the, Relations. Council for Foreign Relations, Collegium International. Uh, there's just this mm. alphabet soup of of these creepy, uh, Fabian-connected, uh, Malthusian, um, Marxist-infused, uh, what else? You know, they've got this, they're sort of, depending on which one you look at, there's a, always just a hue, fascism, theosophy, uh, something somewhat Jesuit, uh, something Masonic. Uh, you know, there's always just a flavor to each organization that you look at. and <clears throat> But then what they never do is uh, come up with any explanation of how you deal with complexity. And that, again, was the unifying th- theorem, if you like, in that, in that post that we started discussing, you know, where I said, look, the gain-of-function theorists make an error that is in the same category as the following errors, you know, yeah. believing that climate is all about one molecule, et cetera, et cetera. What, what the, the, the unifying principle in, in that long list, I don't know how many items I had in there, probably something like 30, um, was, was that these are all errors in, in failing to engage with the consequences of complexity. Another way of saying complexity is nuance. I just realized. Yeah, very much so. You know, when you try and flatten uh, a complex picture, what you're doing is erasing uh, nuance. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, sure. I and we've got. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I was going to say, like, I've I've had real life experiences of that where, you mm. know. It, some time ago, it must be 20 years ago, that there was a piece of software written that it was purported that it could emit, it would, could come up with novel compositions that were indis- indistinguishable from Bach, J.S. Bach, Jan Sebastian Bach. I've heard and them. What, yeah, I listened to them, them and, and was 100% able to distinguish from Bach, Bach from non-Bach there. And uh, there, there were lots of people who battled, but they, I think what happens there is those are people who've not been steeped in classical music, whereas I had been, and I very nearly did it as a career. Um, so I, uh, this, you, I, was, I was able to discern without too much trouble um, the Bach from the non-Bach, and that's about the nuance. Like, I couldn't articulate what it was. I couldn't say, oh, look, you know, there's some musicological fine point that Bach would never have done or uh, some kind of harmonic progression that that sounded like more like Scarlatti or something like that. I, I know it, it, I didn't, it wasn't that it was just a, a feeling I, I, I could, no, that's not Bach. He doesn't write like that. Um, that's about nuance. And so if you flatten the world, then yes, to, to, if you engage, if you look at it with too low resolution, um, you, you observe the finer contours, you, you fail to observe the finer contours and you make these, errors. And I think that's what all these guys do. They always believe crazy things like if I can only get more information, I will, I will be able to manage things better. And that's not true. You need better explanations. And the explanations are hard won. They come by only by the process of conjecture and criticism. And that's the point yeah. I was making about geneticists. You know, their, their little trick is, if only we knew what the human genome was, then we'd be able to control it. Well, false, you know, entirely false. The, the genome and it's how it operates is spectacularly complex we may never be able to understand it it might be something that just is 
you know, we improve our explanations gradually and a million years from now, the human genome is still not understood properly. Uh, it's, it's again, just a failure to appreciate complexity and, and uh, which is a phenomenon closely related to hubris, pride in the face yeah. of the gods, you know. Nick, I've got to go to a break, uh, but on that classical music note, I profoundly apologize for saying, I'll be Bach. <laughs> My name is Jim, this is TNT. Yes. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. During a recent interview on MSNBC, it appeared that Hillary Clinton was going to be brutally honest about Joe Biden's mental health issues. You know, I talk to people in the White House all the time yeah. and, you know, they know it's an issue. But as I like to say, look, it's a legitimate issue. It's a legitimate issue for Trump, who's only three years younger, right? So. It's an issue. But then she turned into Hillary. Once you say that, then you have to also talk about what's at stake in the election. And I'm for Joe Biden for re-election on the merits because I think he's done a really good job as president. So I think he should continue to get out and campaign. He's been campaigning pretty vigorously across the country. You know, and he actually does events where he's interacting with people, yeah. unlike Trump, who stands on a stage and, you know, uh, goes on and on for, you know, 90 minutes. Really? Joe talks to the the people that show up at his rallies, what, the dozen people that show up? And she mocks Trump for talking for 90 minutes? She's 76, I'd like to see her be able to do that. I think Biden also should lean in to the fact that he's experienced. And that experience is not just in the political arena, it's like the stuff of, you know, human experience. Yeah, character. Character, wisdom. I think he should be willing to really Hold that out. No, oh, nothing like free advice. Let Joe try. It will be fun to watch, but sad at the same time. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. What do I love about riding? It's the thrill. The excitement. Riding gives me a sense of freedom. I feel so connected to the road. Riding is like therapy to me. It makes me feel alive. Love riding? Back off. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Just uh, continuing with that theme of complexity and nuance. Nick, something that has really been grating me the wrong way for months now is this idea that everything is binary it's one zero black or white uh from i hate calling it the skeptic community because there isn't such a community it's just the people who've generally been pointing in the same sort of vector trajectory as we have for the last few years but you know like for example so putin putin might clearly present some ideas that are in favor of the preservation of various heritages and culture and whatever but then you but then you see the comments ah yes but he's bringing in cbd cbdc so therefore he's playing 5d chess and he's the same as as Klaus schwab and everybody else and it's this it's this weird it's this weird paradox that these types of individuals are unable to realize that a human being is, can can hold multiple views you know, it's not all the same. You know, Putin won't be a mirror image of you. He'll he'll differ to, from you on many things. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this this over dichotomization yes. is the problem. Yeah, um, and it happens everywhere. And and there are these situations you find yourself in where not only is the is the concept of a a cline or a grade or a or a clade um, between the purported poles of the the yeah. dichotomy um, not permitted. But the idea that the dichotomy itself is a problem because it's there's a it's a tertiary situation or quaternary situation. Yeah. You know, so, for example, uh, in this lab leak versus zoonosis, it's it's this this implicit assumption that those are the two, only two answers. What about nothing new that there's something endemic that's been picked up and misinterpreted? What about um, you know that 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 there is. Um, something that that uh formed out of a recombination within a human you know so it's novel but yeah. human origin uh well, yeah, th these ideas are just not accepted um into the into the mix and so you get the dichotomization uh and the polarization at the same time uh, both being incorrect uh yes this is a real problem and i think it, it, it's related to another issue that i've observed is that people are not very good at finding out that people disagree with them you know uh, or, or dealing <laughs> yes. with yeah, when, when I look at it, you know, there, there's so many things out there, and and you 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 you're inevitably going to disagree with somebody over something. Um, so to to be able to uh, preserve a cordial relationship with somebody you disagree with would seem to be a very important life hack, life skill. Um, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of aspiration to being able to develop that ability. And I think a little bit about that. I think it's Kipling, you know. It, it, uh, yeah, I might be wrong on this right now, Friday afternoon and a, and a glass of wine, but the idea that you need to be able to hold um, uh, uh, in, incompatible idea, two, two incompatible ideas in your head at the, at the same time, that, that's hugely important because it's from apparent paradox that creativity is sparked. You know, the search for a novel explanation, uh, and, and, a new explanation for reality that doesn't uh, embed an, a paradox, something that resolves the paradox. Because, you know, reality itself is not paradoxical. You've you got to believe that. Otherwise, there's no point, you know, in, in discussing anything but um, or debating anything. So if, if reality is not paradox, paradoxical and then you come across a paradox, it's your explanations that mm -hmm. are at fault. You improve your explanation set. So holding those two uh, incompatible ideas in your head is a skill which you very want to have if you're going to play a creative role in the world. And that also means being able to entertain the concepts of people who disagree with you, ready to, to yeah. evaluate them, to do sort of straw manning them, to think about them in their strongest possible terms. And I've watched no, this no. last couple of years. Nick, yeah. Nick, you're just saying that because you're controlled opposition. Yeah, yeah, I must be, yeah. And I'm one of those unwitting controlled opposition people. I don't realize that I'm a Pfizer asset or a... <laughs> but that's the thing. CIA. Sorry, I mean, I was, I'm being facetious, but that's what happens when 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 somebody disagrees with you, you are now yeah. controlled opposition, or you some sort of, uh, I don't know, you're part of some sort of psyop. It's just ridiculous. You know, I, I've over the years I've been accused of being um, uh, controlled opposition of, of various flavors. Putin apologist, uh, farmer, uh, shill, even. You know, um, uh, yeah, what else? I, it's just 
it's just endless. There's, there's, there, I could probably come up with ten different assertions about my, my apparent uh, nature as an asset of one or another community. Now, given that I'm not aware of being any one of those things, yeah, you know, we're talking about quite a phenomenal, uh, ph uh, quite a remarkable phenomenon here, that you know, ten or so different entities have a control over me that I'm not, um, not aware of. This is MK Ultra on steroids, you know. But uh, the, the fact that I've accumulated this uh, this rich tapestry of medals is um, is does does speak to a, a sort of fairly widespread inability to engage with ideas that uh, refute your refute your own or would refute but, your own. Um yeah, and, and that's, that, like I said, that's what's really been annoying me for, for months now, is that uh, it's almost as if, I don't know if, if it's the kind of content that we put out, perhaps, but we attract people who seem to be very hyper-radicalized. Um, and I don't mean that, how do, I, how do I phrase that? They're just so, so on the fringe that anything that's outside of that fringe position is considered normie and and therefore unacceptable and controlled you know and they also forget that people are at different stages in their journey of discovery of various things you know i i woke up to perhaps vaccines only maybe a year ago or two years ago i would love to have thought what i do now about vaccines 10 years ago perhaps i don't know but i'm just saying that we all discover things at different stages in our life and we can't all be at the same point at the same time and that's what i suspect a lot of these types of uh uh these types of individuals this is what they're wanting ah okay so here's a new talking point i've never said anything yeah. of this nature in my life before yeah on on air anyway um i think that we a lot of people are reluctant to embrace the reality that a great many of the stories we tell about ourselves and our pasts are just so stories. They're not, they're, 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 they're not as infallible or, um, or reliable as we would like to believe. History is written by the victor is a famous saying. Um, and the point of that is that the history you learn is false in some way, or there are much better explanations out there for the events of the past, but they're lost in the midst of time because the history, the, the victor wrote the history book. So we yeah. don't know what happened. I think this is true of much more recent events. And, and I, I, maybe it's something that I didn't even realize. I, I sort of, I knew that I walked through the world knowing that much of what I've been taught is just the local just-so story about something mm. um, and, and being quite comfortable with that idea. And maybe it's because I was comfortable with that idea that I was, uh, I've always had the tendency to seek improved explanations for things, this awareness that everything you think is, is, is out there, there's a better explanation than what you think for all human beings at all times. There's never an explanation for a complex phenomenon that, that we can call true. It's only, it's an asymptotic approach to truth at best. That's the kind of philosophy of critical rationalism, of Popperian uh, falsification. 
Um, and I, I've kind of lived with that head, head model for my entire adult life and much of my teenage life. But I think there are a lot of people who don't. They actually think that, oh, no, I, I know, I've been taught. This is how the Great Trek happened. This is how the First World War started. Uh, I learned that at school. I, was, mm-hmm. I know. I really know. I don't really carry that sort of lively idea yeah. in their heads that actually the explanations are far more complicated. Well, I mean, have you noticed how it appears that history is seemingly being rewritten right now? I'm starting to see tweets pop up more frequently about how there were no vaccine mandates, how there were no lockdowns. Yes, I've seen that kind of thing, this very local revisionism. And I saw your tweet on uh, with reference to lockdown. Yes, this kind of immediate denialism. Um, Rather than say, oh, I didn't support lockdowns, they, they, they rationalize away the position by saying there were no, there were no lockdowns. You know? Yeah, um, but I mean, what's scary, Nick, is what, was what is it? You know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what I'm wondering is what is, what is history going to look like 100 years from now? They're going to look back at the year 2020 and none of us will be here. But what, what's going to be written down for them to read, they're going to see that there was this great global pandemic and there were no lockdowns or something like that. You know, I read an article about the ways in which the Dutch tulip bubble had been described over time. And the articles close to the time didn't really regard it as like a, a, a moment of craziness. It was more about the, the, the detail of... How, how what had happened with tulip prices? Oh, it's a very strange sort of thing. But uh, over time, it became uh, regarded as as a moment of complete madness. You know, why would tulip bulbs trade for these crazy prices? Um, and and uh, I think COVID will go that way. It, COVID will be spoken about in the same way as the Dutch tulip bubble, where where single tulip bulbs traded for more than the value of a house, you know? Um, I think that's how COVID will be viewed. Uh, but there may be a time where competing histories struggle to to find their way into in, in, into the, the dialogue. Um, they certainly are pushing several of them right now. For example, the gain of function story, I believe, is one of them. Mm. Nick, we are slowly running out of time, uh, but uh, mm. I like this comment here. Someone saying, I have to sit with a dictionary listening to Nick. Learn new words every time. <laughs> now, I, won't, I won't apologize for that. I, 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 I mean, and I, it's not something I try <laughs> at the same time. I, I, I just, yeah. I, English, English is a wonderful language, and, and uh, these, these words with so many shadings and, and subtlety and nuance, you know, uh, it's 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 a better language for getting at complexity than a lot of others that I've, I'm familiar with. We, yeah. uh, oh, we, you and I, and a few others will be going away in a few weeks' time. We will be having a drink, and that I can say for sure. One of the things that I must say after some recent travels internationally is that it really is great living in a chaotic country because I was trying to explain to someone recently. This is a weird paradox. We live in a very broken, chaotic society here in South Africa, but it also comes with a sense of liberation and freedom, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely, and it's this again another strange ju- just juxtaposition of of uh, 
knowing that you have an amazing life, it's that you're having loads of fun, but that at the same time, the world is completely mad. It's, it's like being able to have fun in the asylum. Um, but I, I, I'm, I've just come back from Europe last week. I was in Spain, which is a country that I quite enjoy. You know, I, I love their food and their wine and their very chilled nature, the, the, the sort of unrushed pace of things relative to, say, Paris or London or Rome. So it's a country that I've really come to appreciate, notwithstanding the craziness of their COVID policy response and so on. Um, but it does always strike me that the the orderliness that you have there comes at a cost. Yeah. Um, like so, we we have uh, a lot more disorderly things, but I think we have a lot more fun. You know. Oh, I think so too. I also, I mean, I prefer, <laughs> I prefer there being <laughs> crazy people on the road <laughs> than everything yeah. being, you know, perfectly lined up and orderly. Uh, I, I really don't like that. I think that's one of the, it's one of the, it's one of the benefits that we have of being in a failed state. And it's something that I cherish. <laughs> I met a woman uh, at, at a conference that I went, the art conference that I went to in London, who said to me something, ah, oh, I can see in your eyes that you've been fighting a long fight. And I was taken aback because I, I kind of felt in a way that she was right. But my first thing that I, that I blurted out was, no, but I'm really still 16 at heart. <laughs> you know? uh, I was really keen to get that message across because that's how I feel. I, I don't like occupy a world where I, where I feel like I'm, I'm actually 50. I feel like I'm, I've got the, the heart of a 16-year-old and maybe a bit of the experience of a 50-year-old and so on. But I, I always feel like I'm the young person in the room. It's a good place to be. All right, Nick, quickly, before we are out of time, uh, uh, how can I uh, keep up with you? www.pandata.org is our website. Uh, 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 social media handle, pandata19. Um, and my handle is Nick Hudson CT, N-I-C-K Hudson CT for Cape Town, uh, where I'm mostly active on Twitter or in the comments on Substack. Uh, there's a comment here. Someone says exactly if they do push the F button, uh, I don't know what that means. It will be, <laughs> it'll be written in the, yo, I can't, sorry, I can't, I can't make out. Listen, you know, Please, if you are going to leave a comment, <laughs> try your best to make it readable. <laughs> I'm not even going to finish that that comment. Okay, there was one more here from F, F something channel. Uh, will they tell the future convert story like the Spanish flu rubbish we were taught? Yeah, that's what you and I were talking about. But no, I think I mean, yeah, I think it'll be worse. it'll be sort of regarded in a worse light than we regard Spanish flu. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, you know, I think it'll look far crazier. Uh, just to, <laughs> anyway, antics, come all on, right, you know. Yeah, yeah. Nick Hudson, I gotta go. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. Ciao, Jim. Have a good weekend. You too, my friend. Uh, thank you to everybody listening. I'll catch you Monday. Send me an email, Jim Warfare at TNTRadio.live. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the battle of ideas. Mm-hmm.